I woke up Saturday morning with a bit of the sore throat. But after considering this passage for the last few weeks, I said to myself, I'll not miss this. Nothing's going to hold me back from missing this. It's so appropriate, this passage. You know, it's amazing that, that the way it was set up was that I would be taking a different passage, actually. And then we had a guest speaker come in, and that guest speaker then did his own thing. So I ended up here, and I thought, oh, my goodness. This is of the Lord. This is of the Lord. Luke chapter 9, starting at verse 28. Because what precedes this passage on all three accounts, because all three of the synoptic gospels record this scene, the transfiguration of the Lord Jesus Christ. What precedes this scene is exactly what's being considered on Sunday evening. This then becomes the power to carry out the mandate. We need encouragement. There's nobody that stands so strong that they need no encouragement. And these disciples, they needed something to encourage them to carry out this mandate, even though they did not know what the mandate really was. Let's read. And it came to pass about an eight days after these things, he took Peter, John, and James and went up into a mountain to pray. And as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered, and his raiment was white and glistening. And behold, there talked with him two men, which were Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spake of his decease, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. But Peter and they uh, that were with him were heavy with sleep. And when they awoke, They saw his glory and the two men that stood with him. And it came to pass, and as they departed from him, Peter said unto Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here, and let us make three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. While he thus spake, there came a cloud and overshadowed them, And they feared as they entered into the cloud. And there came a voice out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son, hear him. And when the voice was passed, Jesus was found alone. And they kept it close and told no man in those days any of those things which they had seen. What an awesome scene that we have here. John tells us the full picture because John relayed his gospel many, many years after the other synoptics. Many, many years after. So he was able to take the pieces of this puzzle and and start to put this puzzle together. And he would write, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
And over and over in the, in the book of John, we have the Son of God, the Son of God, the Son of God, the Son of God. Surely the Son of Man, but surely the Son of God. John saw the complete picture, you see. He had it all. He was some 90 years old after having been imprisoned there in, in, in Patmos. And, and, and in order to go through this experience, he would need some real solid encouragement in his life. History has it that John was taken and, and dipped in a cauldron of oils, trim, boiling hot oil, the same thing we would fry our French fries in. And then it says, history tells us that he was so hideous in, in his appearance that they said, we're going to pack him away on the island of Patmos out in the Mediterranean Sea so no one has to look at him anymore. He'll go there, we'll place him in that prison, surely he'll just die of infection. <laughs> but God had another plan, didn't he? But I'm sure as John was sitting there on that island of Patmos, and these, these boils were just eating him. And yet, and yet, though there was no doctor to come alongside and, and, and administer any kind of medicine, none whatsoever, oh, but there was a great physician. And the great physician was sitting right by his side through the whole thing. And he would always, always see this, this vision of the Lord Jesus Christ in his glory. And he would know one day, one day, all this that is so wrong, all this that is so absolutely unjust is going to be dealt with. The Son of God is going to come back with great power and he's going to deal with all the injustices of this world. I, I look forward to that day because I do, I, I, I read about other countries. Oh, like I said, I've said this many times, we're so sheltered. We're so sheltered. The Rohingyas in Myanmar, the, the government in Myanmar, the, uh, Myanmar, taking this group of human beings and marginalizing them to the point where they're trying to get rid of them off of the earth. Children, women, it doesn't matter. This kind of injustice is going on right now as we speak. And babies are being taken and and just chopped up and thrown aside as though there were just nothing. Oh, we look forward to the day, don't we? When this great God in heaven is going to say to his son, you go back down. I've had enough. I've had enough. And that which is so wrong now is going to make so right. That's the scene we have here, you see. This is the preview of coming attractions. This is the Lord Jesus Christ in his elevated, glorious state when he's going to stand on this earth and make right what has been so terribly made wrong. This is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's the one who's going to make right. And, and, and you look at this whole scene. It's, it's a preview is what it is. It's your future. It's mine. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ is your personal Savior. 
If you know the King of kings and Lord of lords, you know that He came and He redeemed you. He took by His own blood and made you whole again. And you've accepted that justification on your behalf. Then this is your future. You're going to stand with that King one day. What a glorious, glorious scene that we have before us. Eight days. He took Peter, John, and, and James, and, and he went up into a mountain. We don't know what mountain it was. Some say it was Mount Hermon. Others, it really doesn't matter because it, 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 the God of heaven knows that if they would have known exactly the place where they would have, they would have enshrined that place and they'd be worshiping that place rather than the man who was in, who was found in the glory standing in that place. He knows human behavior, so he doesn't even, he doesn't even mention the actual mountain. And as his, and as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered. Uh, Matthew and, and, and Mark both give us that he was transfigured. He was transfigured. The word is metamorpho. It's the same word we get the, the word metamorphosis. And, 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 and from that word metamorphosis, we, we, we can see this, uh, this caterpillar, this ugly caterpillar, and he's hanging from a tree, very, very limited as far as his scope of influence. He just hangs there. But inside this, inside this ugly worm is this beautiful butterfly that's going to come loose and be, be able to float over the seams of the earth. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity. You see, the Lord put on this body of flesh over the top of this glory. You see, because this word doesn't, it isn't the same word that, that Moses, when he was on the mount, it said, uh, light shone and, and he was like one of those glow sticks, you know, those glow sticks that you have. You put them up to the light. You put them up to the light for a little while and you turn off the lights. Woo! They glow, but then they fade and they fade and they fade and pretty soon there's no more glow. That, that's, that was Moses on that mount. The Lord Jesus Christ, he erupted from the inside. That glory that we see here on Mount Transfiguration is the glory that was in him all the time as he walked on this earth. Every step he took, that glory was there. Shrouded in flesh. He pulled the flesh away for a little while. Look at this. I'm going to show you. You need to be showed this. And he pulled that flesh away and up went that glory and it was just glorious indeed. What an encouragement to these disciples as they went forth. He prayed and his fashion was changed. And behold, there talked with him two men, Moses and Elijah. Moses representing the law and Elijah the prophets. He did not come in the Sermon on the Mount in, in, in Matthew chapter 5. It says he did not come to destroy the, the law and the prophets, but he came to fulfill them. He came to fulfill them. 
And so here was Moses and Elijah, and, and they were giving battle, validation to that words, those words. That he was here, the Lord Jesus Christ was here to fulfill that role, you see. I, I have to go back to Ephesians because, see, if the Lord throws me into Ephesians like he did this morning, then I just got to show you this one thing. It's, oh, man. Here's what it says. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 10. Listen to this. That in the dispensation, those were different periods of time that God dealt with man on different, uh, in different ways. But he said this, that in this dispensation, the fullness of time, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. There was Moses and Elijah representing the law and the prophets and and then, and, 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 and they, they were there and, and they were speaking of his great miracles. Oh, he, he certainly performed incredible miracles. You know, it just, it dawned on me when it said that, um, um, those would come to him and they were maimed. You know what that word maimed means? That means they, they've got no arms. They've got no leg. Maybe they're missing a leg, you know, and they would go into one of his meetings where the Lord Jesus Christ was there and it says that he healed them all. In other words, if you see a guy coming out of his meeting and he's only got one shoe on, you know what happened. He didn't need the shoe before, but he didn't know. The leg was returned again. And so as people saw these tremendous miracles, they just just like blown over. And yet, when it came to the Lord Jesus Christ, there was nothing. He has no form nor comeliness, Isaiah tells us. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Up to this point, they looked at him and said, isn't he just a, you know, the son of a carpenter? I mean, there's nothing about him except the works that he did just distinguished him in, in such a tremendous way. So people were coming out of these things and they were blind and they came out seeing and they were without a leg and they came out with a leg and, and, and their arms and everything. The Lord just healed them all, you see. What a man, manifestation of his tremendous glory. And behold... There talked with him these two men, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spake of his decease. Not the miracles, but the way he was going to exit. The word really just means exit. It means going from this earth. Now, these two men had remarkable exits. You know, Uh, Moses had a remarkable exit exit in that uh, his it, it, it says his eyes were not dim and his natural forces were not abated and yet he was 120 years old so he's 120 years old and he was healthier than everyone in this room probably and yet he had no access to any kind of a natural food type operation uh, he was just healthy because God made him that way and God turned to Moses one day and he said okay your time is up let's go home Moses must have said hey I'm feeling good. No cancer, no nothing. I, I'm in good shape. I'm in perfect shape. That's exactly what the Bible emphasizes when it says that. It emphasizes that he was in perfect shape. God made the command. It's time to come home, Moses. 
Moses had a cry when he was on this earth, when he's on that mountain. He said, Lord, just show me your glory. Show me your glory. Man, you just show me your glory. He got it. He got it. Many years later, he finally got it. The glory was revealed to him. And then there's Elijah. And he was, of course, taken up in a chariot of fire. And it was almost as though he must have left that taxi parked at heaven. Because it's possible. Who knows? I'm just speculating. But maybe they got in that same chariot of fire and came back down again. You know? Let's just hail that taxi and leave it right there. Because we're not going to be long. And we're going to be heading back again. You see, God had a special ministry for these two particular men and they had both of them had special exits from this earth there was no question about that Uh, Moses in his full strength was taken up Elijah was taken up before he ever died so we have the picture there of those who are die in Christ and those who are raptured we also have that and so both of these individuals right there in that particular scene and it says this they talked with him about his decease. That's what garnered their attention. Not his life, which was just absolutely remarkable, but they talked about his decease because the fullness of time had come. And and now we are into this dispensation when all would be finalized in Christ. Everything will be finalized in Christ. In him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. It will all be finalized in Christ. We have seven dispensations that go throughout. Seven dispensations. Our brother Howard pointed this out one Sunday morning, and it's just I, I, had to, I, I just went into it. Seven dispensations. They all end in failure. God sets them up for success. He says, okay, I'm going to show you this. We're going to work this avenue. We're going to see how this avenue takes you. And they failed. And then we're going to work this avenue seven times. And they failed. They failed. They failed. Then came the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're sitting right on his glory in this passage that is before us. But Peter and they that were with him were heavy with sleep. The Lord's praying, they're sleeping. Don't don't be too judgmental. Because there's when I'm praying, I'm sleeping too. Let me tell you. After you wake up early in the morning, you've got all these these grand uh, you know plans. We're gonna sit down and we're gonna we're just gonna pray this morning. We're just gonna pray and pretty soon all of a sudden you know that you know, like, how did I get there? I was in heaven. How did I? That's me. That's the weaknesses. So these disciples, on many occasions, that's exactly what they did. They end up sleeping. The Lord Jesus Christ is heavy in prayer, and they're heavy in sleep. That's just our own human nature, isn't it? And when they were awoke, awake, they saw his glory and the two men that stand with him. And it came to pass, as they departed from him, speaking of those two men, Peter said unto Jesus, Master, it is good that we are here. Peter is on a real roll here. It was good, bad, and now it's bad again. 
it was good in that he, he said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Ah, Peter, flesh and blood, hath not revealed that unto you, but my Father that is in heaven. Roll good, man. Peter's feeling good about himself. But Peter is one of these guys that feels like if his hand of, of influence is not in it, it's just not complete. He's sort of that A typical personality that just has to be involved with, with everything. But then there, there's the next scene that, that Peter, the Lord Jesus Christ says, I must needs go to Jerusalem, I must die. And Peter grabs the Lord. Now, I want you to see this. He grabs the Lord and pulls him aside. That's what the Bible says. And then the Bible says he rebuked him. You know what? Peter had heard this time and time again that the Lord Jesus Christ must needs die. He has to die. And that just didn't fit his messianic view. It just didn't fit. And so Peter finally got aggravated with the whole thing and he pulls the Lord aside and is going to rebuke him and straighten him out. Lord, this is what's going to happen. You're going to take and you're going to overturn the tyranny of the Roman government and we're going to be free. And then you're going to set up your kingdom in Jerusalem, just like the Old Testament said, you know. And and then we're going to all be raised up, the nation of Israel once again. And he kept saying over and over and over again, no, I, I must needs die. I have to die first. Peter was indeed confused. That's why the Lord Jesus Christ said, you know, you guys, don't tell anybody about this vision. Why? Why not tell anybody? How can you not tell someone when you've seen the glory of the the Son of the living God in, in full blaze of glory? How can you not tell someone? He said don't tell them because they don't have a perfect understanding of what was going on. You see, this whole scene kind of fed into what they thought was going to happen. That he was going to set up his kingdom right then and there. And so they, they had an imperfect view of the whole scene. And so it would have only muttered things up terribly if they'd have gone out and, and, and broadcasted what they had seen. So they didn't broadcast it at this particular time. And it came to pass, again, Peter, Master, it is good for us to be here. And let us make three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elias, not knowing what he said. Mark says that not knowing what to say. That's what Mark says. Now remember, Mark Mark was in, in cahoots with Peter. I believe they're fairly close. And so when Mark went about giving his gospel, it was probably extremely accurate because Peter by that time had a more clear understanding of what was actually going on. So since Peter didn't really know what to say under the circumstances that were, bef- that, that were presented to him, he just basically said, whatever, not knowing what to say. You know, sometimes when you don't know what to say, it's better off just not saying anything at all. And that's exactly what Peter should have done in this case. There's Moses, the great patriarch. Elijah, the great patriarch, and the Lord Jesus Christ, absolutely perfect scene. And Peter says, man, if I could just put my two cents into this thing, we could really straighten this thing out. We could really make this right. Oh, it's good that we're here. You know, hey, it's really good that, that we're here. Oh, my. 
He's got guts I don't have. Well, he's got a personality I don't have either. He's a very A-type personality. That's just not something. I would have been the guy calling up and crawling up on the side there. Well, let's just wait and see what happens here, you know. But Peter didn't. Peter opened his mouth, and, 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 and he was probably the only one who could go on record as being uh, one who interfered with what heaven was trying to do. And God the Father didn't say this, but maybe he should have. Peter, shut up. Peter, just please, please. Just shut up and watch. And we go on. While he thus spake, there came a cloud and overshadowed them, and they feared as they entered into the cloud. And there came a voice out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son. Hear him. And so Peter really just played in to the message that was to be brought here. Quite a bit. But you remember those two characters were already on their way out before Peter ever woke up. Peter would wake up a little later on and he would chop off a man's ear. Oh, Peter is the kind of guy that, that really should wake up and have a couple of cups of coffee before he gets going in the morning. Because the things that he does are, are, are very Peter-esque. You see, wakes up, whap, boom, whoa. That happened in a garden. This happened in a mountain. He wakes up and all of a sudden he's got all the suggestions to fill in all the gaps that apparently he saw there, which there were no gaps at all. It was an absolute perfect scene. That's human nature, isn't it? This whole idea of, of for by grace you saved through faith and and that not of yourselves. Oh, that A-type personality has a hard time with that. Oh, Lord, I, I mean, it's my salvation. Can I have a little piece of it? Can I do something? And the Lord said, no, because the perfect work has already been done at the cross. For you to, for you to touch one ounce of that will cause it to be imperfect for you, and you cannot be saved. Peter had a lot of lessons to learn, didn't he? We have before us this passage, and, and for us to take this passage and just throw it in its own little context without looking at the context that, that follows around it, everything that, that goes on behind it, um, it would be uh, a great detriment. That's what causes real problems and misunderstandings of the word of God. Verse 22, as we go behind a little bit, we say, saying the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be slain and be raised the third day. And he said to them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself Take up his cross daily and follow me. No more self-defense. 
you see. Stop the self-defense. I, I want you to show me one child that isn't born onto this earth and, and isn't born with this innate drive to defend themselves. They're all born as the best self-defenders this world has ever seen. That's, that's mine! Mom, that toy is mine! They defend themselves, don't they? The Lord Jesus Christ is telling the disciples, listen, I want you to stop defending yourselves. No more self-defense. Now, this would require a tremendous amount of power. And this would require a tremendous amount of encouragement. Did it happen? Well, James, the first martyr. Peter. Peter probably languished in a prison. And, and in, in Acts chapter 12, we know that he languished in that prison. And I'm sure that this scene had flashed through his mind over and over again. One day, one day, the glorious Lord Jesus Christ. One day. Because he knew, he, he felt in his heart of hearts, he was a dead man. They had already taken a, 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 a good sword and lopped off the head of James. And see, he knew he was next. But it happened to be one of the feasts. And so they didn't want to do it on the feast. So they were going to wait till after the feast. But he sat there in that prison and he knew that he was going to be killed the next day. But the Lord intervened. And the angel came and, and rescued Peter. And, and Peter would have to have this experience in order to encourage him through these terrible times that he would face. But then there come another day down the word. And, and the, and the, and the, the uh, traditions of the Father say that, that Peter was actually going to be crucified just like the Lord Jesus Christ was crucified. And I want to show you how Peter actually figured this whole thing out. He was able to put the pieces together. Watch what he did if the fathers are correct as far as history is concerned. Because Peter said, no, I won't be crucified the same as my Lord. Turn me upside down and crucify me. And, and he was crucified upside down. Now, let me tell you, uh, to go through these kinds of things where it says um, here, where it says, and them, if any man will come after him, let him deny himself, take up his cross. Now, we, t we like to spiritualize that. We like to put that in a spiritual uh, backdrop because uh, what, what we, well, we don't want that, do we? That's not a very good day because take up your cross basically means are you willing to die? Are you willing to die for the Lord? Are you willing to die? That's the kind of commitment that he's asking of the disciples. And so what follows that in Mark, Matthew, and now here in Luke, what follows that is this tremendous encouragement where they're able to see the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. They needed it. Unlike many of us, and there's a possibility there could be some in the room that do have to take this literally and end up giving their lives. We don't know what's going to happen in the future, but they themselves did. You say, well, John didn't. He lived to be an old, old, old man, probably uh, in, the, uh, in the city of Ephesus at the end of his life. We don't know. Came off the, the island of Patmos after they looked at him and said, man, this guy... He should be dead. He should be dead a long time ago. There's no way he could still be alive. And because of their conviction, they said, go. And they let him loose. 
and he went back and, and lived an old, an old, old, old life. But there he is. How would you like to be there in that d- dingy old, smelly old prison? And you're full of boils where this hot oil had opened every bit of your skin, cracking it wide open. Um, you could bet that this scene kept rolling through his mind. One day. One day. We need that kind of encouragement looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior now I love this verse because the great God and Savior is not two people it's a description of the same he's great God son of God and he's also the Savior of the world Peter said this when rehearsing this whole thing, and, and we got to go there because this, this is where we're going to end up uh, this morning quite possibly. I don't want to say that too loud. Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 16. Peter had a real clear vision of this because he was right there. And so let's look at as he commentates on this. It, it is a perfect spirit-filled commentary on what we have just seen. Second Peter chapter 1 and starting at verse 16, it says, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we uh, made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For we received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mountain. And we have also a more sure word of prophecy. And so what we would naturally come in our own conclusion is, okay, Lord, you're asking me the same thing. Take up your cross and follow me. Take up your cross and follow me. He's asking the same thing to us today as he asked those disciples. Now, they, they ended up, many of them ended up fulfilling this in a very physical way. Take up your cross and follow me. So you say to yourself, well, then give me my transfiguration. If you'll give me my transfiguration, give me my experience, and, and then I'll, 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 I'll be supercharged by that, and I'll be able to carry out these mandates, you see. These terms of discipleship that that are so incredibly strong, if you give me my transfiguration, then I'll be able to carry that he did. Watch now. For we do not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Now we keep reading. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to heaven from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And this voice came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mountain. We have also, now listen to these, listen to these. We have also a more sure word of prophecy wherein you do well, that you take heed as a light that shines in a dark place 
until the day dawn and the day star arise in your heart. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. Now listen, for the prophecy came not in old times by the will of men, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. You have your transfiguration. You have the ability to sit down with the this more sure word of prophecy, this word of God that has been left in total, not to be taken away from, not to be added to. You have your most sure word of prophecy, and you can sit down in the, in, the, in, the, in the privacy of your own home, on your couch with no one else around, and you can be transformed. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. I want to I I I go back to Romans. I think I was in Romans. Let me go to Romans chapter 12. <clears throat> because this ends up this way. Romans chapter 12 and verse number 1 and 2. And here's verse 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. That's the exact same Greek word that is talked about in Matthew and Mark when it talks about the transfiguration. So you have the ability by the, this more sure word of prophecy, this word of God, which they didn't have at that time, you have the ability to be transfigured every morning that you sit up. Oh, well, I don't have time. I don't. At times I, 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 I listen to the word of God on the way down on this long journey that I go to work every day. I listen to the word of God. It's about the best I can do. And I read a bit when I get to the... When I get to my office in my school, I do what I can. Uh, uh, but let me tell you what, when you sit down, you have, the, you have the ability to be completely transformed, transfigured. He's willing to transfigure uh, your being by this. It is transforming. This word of God. Were you here this morning? Hmm. Some brother just stood up and read from Ephesians. It's like the place exploded. Because this this word of God, it has the ability to to change us from the inside out. It, It has the ability to move us. And, and, if, and if we take time to get into it, it can transform us. And, and he asks us not, not to be conformed to the world, and, and it's so easy to do that. All, all, all you need to do is just sit still a little while in the world, and you will just melt right into the world. But he's saying, no, I, I want you to get into the Word of God 
and allow the word of God to actually transform you, transfigure you. And that's going to be the power to carry out the mandate. Take up your cross and follow me. I, I don't know if you've, you've done this recently, but there's sometimes when I'll sit down with the word of God and I have to choke back the tears because this, this stuff, this whole concept of Christian behavior as portrayed in the Word of God is so contrary to the world around me. And it's almost as though I need a cleansing every time I sit down, like a washing over, and then I can sit and I can really enjoy the Word of God. Because you walk in this world, man, you take off those sandals. You still got to clean those feet, don't you? Because this world will really grime you out. Are we being transformed daily, daily being transformed? Are we being transformed in our walk here? If we're not, then, then we're conforming. We're conforming to the world around us. And, and pretty soon there's, there's no difference with the way I look from anyone else in, in the room. And, and pretty soon your testimony is just lying on the floor. There is no testimony anymore. And if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, your personal Savior, then this whole scene, it, it, it has no real bearing on you. Because this is the Lord Jesus Christ in his glory. And, and we're going to be standing with him in his glory. Just like Peter, James, and John were there with the Lord Jesus Christ, we're going to be standing with him in the glory. And if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, you won't be standing with him. Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ, your personal Savior? Have you, have you come to the point where you've said, Lord, you died for me. We, we were singing that song this morning. My Redeemer. My Redeemer. It has to be your Redeemer. You've got to come to the point where you lay your life down and you say, Lord, you're my Redeemer, and take him as your personal Savior. And then you can begin to live out this transformation that will come from the inside out, and you'll begin to walk in a way that has a real influence on the world around you, has a real influence. I always ask myself, am I influencing the world around me? Not the way I should. Certainly not the way I should. It's a pretty good earmark of where we are as far as our walk with the Lord. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our Father, we are so thankful for the transforming power of the Word of God that we're able to be changed from the inside out. That we can void out this idea of being conformed to the world, but rather be transformed by the renewing of our minds. That we might know what is that good and perfect will of God. That we might understand why we're, we've been placed here. Find real meaning in life. Why am I here? Who placed me? All these can be answered when we dig into the word of God and find out that his grace is sufficient for us. Oh, Father, we just pray. We just pray that, that each one here would take very seriously this mandate that has been given 
in the scriptures, take up your cross and follow me. It's our only hope in this dying world that we live in. And we look forward to the day, our Father, when we shall see the Son of God and will be manifest to us this blessed hope of his soon return. We give you thanks for all these things in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ's precious name we do pray. Amen.